Hey, what up, fam? It's your boy Norm, and I would like to welcome you to episode 68, part one um, of the Evangelical Norm. There are two videos came out this week, and I want to address both of them. So I'm actually gonna, and I'm not gonna do them both in one because it'll it'll end up being an hour video, and I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna do uh, each one. I'm gonna do. Uh, this guy first I'm going to introduce you to, and then I'm going to react to um, a Three Mormons video that came out this week. So, um, we'll just jump into it. Uh, I guess this week was National Coming Out Day. Um, I didn't... Huh. Just speechless that that even is a thing that even exists um but this is the the world we live in this is the time we live in so these things are there so this video came out this is a pastor um who is not a pastor he is not qualified to be a pastor just based on the um i mean even take away the the homosexuality sin part of things just the way he handles this section of scripture so poorly. I mean, I'm I'm not the greatest uh, um, preacher ever, and I've probably, well, I have, I know I have misrepresented and mishandled some scripture in the past. Um, I've I've played fast and loose with with some scriptures when back before I. Um, reformed my theology or God reformed my theology. Um, so it happens, but compound that with the fact that he's living in sin. He's not qualified to be a pastor, but he horribly um, butchers this section of scripture as well. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to Brandon Robertson. And he apparently has something that he would like to say. And so we're going to listen to it, and then we're going to stop, and we're going to talk about it, and um, just address the the really bad um, eisegesis that he does here, um, which is horrible. So without further ado, um, and I won't call him pastor or reverend or anything else, I give you Brandon Robertson. Hey everyone, it's Brandon Robertson here, and I just wanted to come and talk a little bit this morning because it's National Coming Out Day. And this is a day that has become really sacred for so many LGBT people around the country, especially for those of us who um, feel compelled to share our stories publicly. Uh, this day is a day where we are called to let those who might still be in the closet of shame and of fear know that it's okay to come out. And in fact, when you do come out, when you embrace your identity, you'll find freedom and life that you never thought was possible. And I, as a gay Christian, as a gay pastor, um, I wanna take this time to reflect on kind of this passage of scripture that has really become a theme for me this year as I've done, as I continue to do work in the LGBT community. This pride as a- All right. So let's just stop there. I'm going to jump to, um, uh, let me 
pull up my Bible app because we're going to take a look at what the qualifications of a pastor are. We're going to go to Titus and we're going to just take a quick look at what the Bible says about men who desire to be a pastor, qualifications for an elder. Um, this is why I left you in Crete. Paul is talking to Titus. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what, um, and it's uh, Titus 1, chapter, or verse 5 uh, through um, Five through nine. So, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in, you might put what remained into order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must, be not, must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Um, for there are many who, I'm going to keep reading, there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting and fa whole families and teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Okay, so again, um, these are qualifications of an elder, and this, this man is not above reproach. Um, he is not repentant of absolute sin, and, um, you know, he's just... Yeah, he's not qualified to be an elder. Before anything else we talk about, before any of this butchering of scripture he's about to do, he is not qualified to be an elder. So let's move on. As I was preparing for my pride sermon at our church, I was reflecting on a passage, a familiar story from the Gospels. And it's the story of Jesus who loses his best friend, Lazarus. Jesus is out preaching around the Galilee, and he gets word that his friend Lazarus has become ill and has died before he gets there. And in that image of Lazarus dying and being placed in a tomb, I really saw what my experience was as a gay Christian. When I first realized that I... All right, stop, stop, stop. Ugh, my head hurts already. Um, he, he's about to, and again, I just want to butcher you that, I mean, scripture is screaming, reeling in pain with the, how poorly he trans, he twists this section of scripture to eisegete. Again, he's reading himself into the story, which we do not do with scripture. We are called to exegete scripture. We take out of the stories the principles and the doctrines and the teachings that the Bible gives us. We do not put ourselves into the story. We don't. We don't work our way. We don't look at the stories and find out how to fit our situations into the parts of Scripture. We don't. 
This is bad hermeneutic. This is bad teaching from the jump. He's teaching poorly. Was gay, or I would have said then I struggled with same-sex attraction. I was a fundamentalist Baptist. I mean, I remember clear as day, one thing that I used to do in my old Baptist church was I would sneak in any chance I got to the sanctuary and climb up in the pulpit and pretend to preach. Um, and one day, I remember opening up the Bible while I was in the sanctuary alone, and I turned to 1 Corinthians, uh, where Paul writes, no homosexual offender shall enter the kingdom of God. And I remember, first of all, being stunned that that word homosexual was actually in the Bible, and I immediately knew that it was a word condemning who I was. It was a word condemning me, even though I didn't know that I identified as gay yet. Over the next few years, I would... I, I don't understand why he would be shocked that this word is, is in the Bible. Um, if he's grown up in this and he's been there and he knows, why would he be shocked? And yes, it is a word condemning those who walk in that sin. Paul is, is absolutely making it clear that those who are homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of God. Along with the other list of things that are there, these people are unre unrepentant, are not going to be saved. Bottom line, period. No other way around would hear pastors on TV and in my church, people around me preaching against homosexuality. And again, though I didn't really know that that was me, I did. I felt condemned. I knew that because I had this inner spark of attraction towards men, that I was being condemned by every word that was being spoken by these people who claimed to represent God. And I felt like every time... Okay, this is no different than when the Bible condemns theft, or condemns murder, or condemns adultery, or condemns any lying. I mean, specifically, the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So, should we not worry about, can, you know, offending liars, people who lie, who are actively, I mean, again, why is your sin so much more special than the other sins that are addressed in the Bible? They are sin. It is sexual immorality, whether it be adultery or whatever. And these other things, there is wording and things that condemn those things by men who represent, don't represent God. They, they, they teach the word of God. They stand in, in the place that God has called them to preach the word and preach the gospel, and call those who are in sin to repentance. As I look back on it, every time I heard a message of condemnation, it was like they were wrapping me in burial cloths. They were putting me into a dark tomb of shame. They were telling me that part of who I am, fundamentally, part of who God made me to be, was flawed and broken. Okay. This is a, this is throughout scripture. It tells us that in our, our natural state, we are all flawed and broken. This is not specifically about you, Brandon. This is not specifically, this is, 
shows are as every time there is a sermon preached, every time you preach a sermon, I'm sure you do on lying and stealing and uh, blasphemy and any of these other things that are sin, or are you just open to whatever sin? Do you, do you just not condemn sin whatsoever? Do you not preach the conviction of sin to repent and put your trust in Christ? Again, you're separating your sin from every other sin. If, if you're going to use this, then you have to use this for everyone who lies as being Every, every sermon against lying is wrapping them in burial clause and putting them in a tomb. Should we just allow all the liars to come out? Should we allow the murderers or the adulterers, rapists, you name it? Yes, I did just lump in rape and homosexuality because they are sin. Sorry. And what that does to a young person who hears it is unimaginable. The shame that begins to build up, the fear of being who you are that begins to become your identity. I remember, I mean, as a fundamentalist Baptist kid who also began to realize I struggled with same-sex attraction, I suffered from major panic attacks all throughout middle school and high school. I couldn't have a normal social life. I couldn't do well in school because I was so plagued with fear because I knew that I loved God. I knew that I was called to be a pastor, but I also knew that there was this thing inside of me that my church and my pastor and my Christian friends kept telling me was so fundamentally broken and flawed and ultimately would disqualify me from being a pastor and would disqualify me from salvation if I leaned into it. Yes, you get it. Yes, leaning into our sin separates us, disqualifies us from eldership. It disqualifies us from salvation. Walking in unrepentant sin disqualifies us. Yes, this is what you need. And it's what you need to hear. But you, because you've separated yourself. Oh, well, you know. Here's the story, and I tell this joke a lot, but this is this is who you are. You're the guy who goes went to church every Sunday in this, and he heard the pastor preach, and no, it's not. Um, you don't think that it's your special. Your sin is special. Your sin should not be condemned. That's what every other sinner, unrepentant, thinks. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin. It, it, angers me. It angers me to hear him saying these things. Um, I'm going to let him go on for a minute as, as much as I can. But again, he's denying the things that scripture teaches very clearly. <clears throat> so frustrating to listen to, but I'm going to let him go on. I'm sorry. The, as I, I think more about the joke, it doesn't fit, but I'll, maybe I'll tell the joke again another time. Every time I heard a word of condemnation spoken. The straps of the burial cloth were put around me stronger and stronger. Just like Lazarus as he faces his... See, here, here, this is, this. I mean, I watched this and I thought about it and now there are different things coming to me. The, he's he's coming at this from the the attitude that he was alive before. And you're not. 
Ephesians 2 makes it very clear that we are dead in our sin and in our trespasses. We start out wrapped in those burial cloths. It is because of those burial cloths that you can't see the truth in repentance and the need to turn from your sin. Because you're still dead. You're still dead in your sin and in your trespasses. So you don't comprehend the things of the Spirit. You have not been regenerated. You have not been renewed. You have not been revived. You don't start out live and then being, being as your sin is condemned, being wrapped in burial cloths. You are in your sin and you are already dead. And you need Christ, you need the re repentance, the gift of repentance, so you can turn from your sin, so you can be made alive in Christ. But you don't get that. That was laid in a tomb. When Jesus finally comes in the story of the death of Lazarus, and he shows up at the tomb, he proclaims two commands. Everyone is standing outside of Lazarus's tomb. He has just died. He's been wrapped and put in the tomb. And Jesus arrives and sees everyone weeping. And Jesus himself, the scripture says, begins to weep at the death of his friend. And then Jesus declares, Lazarus, come out. When I read that text as I was preparing for my pride sermon, it honestly felt like God was speaking those words to me. Brandon, come out. Come out of the tomb. That I don't even know where to go from here. In one, we're, we're taking a... Again, we're, we're putting a situation into a, a portion of scripture that is not what it is intended to be. Lazarus isn't allegorical. Lazarus, the story of Lazarus is historic. And it is, it's not an allegory to be molded into whatever we want it to be to fit our circumstances. Lazarus is historical and it was done so that Jesus could glorify God and show himself to be the Messiah. Come out of when he proclaims to Lazarus to come out of the tomb, this is not a, to be likened to coming out of the closet as a sinner. I mean, if you're going to allegor, uh, allegorical, well, pff, allegorize, that I think that's a word. If it isn't, it is now. If you're going to allegorize this piece of scripture, then coming out has got to be repent. Jesus commands us. I mean, you talk about these commands, but you ignore the command that Christ made to repent and put your trust in him, to repent and follow him. He's going to go on and he's going to talk about, and I don't even know if we have time to get into the rest of this. I, I want to let him go on, but I, I just can't. I'm just so frustrated listening to this. But he goes on and talks about being who God made you to be. God made him gay, and God wants him to be that. But again, it ignores, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not, no, not sorry, Brandon, I'm done with you. Um, you're, you're out, you're done, you're gone. Um, it's more 
scripture twisting than I can handle. He, it, it's live on Facebook. If you want to go watch the rest of it, you can. It, it, the rest of it is just as much of a hash as what we just saw. But he goes on to talk about that God made me who I am, and he just wants me to be. So you're ignoring the places where Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You're doing what Vicki Beeching does. You're doing what Matthew Vines does. You're doing what all these false teachers do, and you're calling essentially calling Jesus a liar. And you're saying, no, don't deny yourself. Indulge your flesh. Take up your sin and follow the world. Instead of the, the words of Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 makes it very clear that, again, Paul talks about we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have a sin nature. This is who we are. From the beginning, your sin nature, your your homosexual tendencies stems from the sin nature. Just like my desire to look at pornography or to lie or to whatever it is is my besetting sins, and those are two of them that I, I've I've dealt with throughout my life: uh, pornography, adultery, lying. Those are things that I've I've fought against and I struggle against, and and I can't just come out and be them. I have naturally, I'm a natural liar. I was a great liar as a kid up until the point in time I got saved. And I still run into people from my past that I have to confess to that some of these things is they'll ask me things about this and that and whatever lies I told them in the past. I have to humble myself and say, that wasn't, that wasn't real. That never really happened. That was a lie. You know, these are things. God makes it clear that we are broken and we need to be changed. And and Second uh, Corinthians 5, uh, starting in 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. New creation, Brandon. God doesn't want you to stay who you are. God wants you to repent and put your trust in him. Repent of your sin. Trust the work that Christ did. Turn from your sin. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Christ. Everything, to quote Luke Skywalker, it's amazing. Everything you said, everything you've just said is wrong. Everything. Because yes, we're broken. We are sinful human beings in need of a Savior in need of repentance, and then we can become a new creation. God doesn't want to leave you where you are. He doesn't want you to walk out that sin nature. God wants you to repent, to turn from your sin, to follow Christ, to deny yourself, to take up your cross, to follow Him. I challenge you to give me a scripture where God says He just wants you to stay the way you are, to stay in your sin. You know, there's nowhere. 
There is nothing. And the, what you are preaching as a false teacher, as a false pastor, and you're giving a false gospel, you are leading millions, I, I don't know if millions of people watch you, but you're leading a lot of people who will take your advice, you're leading them to hell. And again, I, I Vicki Beachy, Matthew Vines, every false teacher who proclaims the fact that you can go on being homosexual or adulterous or any other sin that you want to and you continue to indulge in, if you do not call people to repent and to turn from those things, you're leading them to hell. You are the thief that Christ talks about coming into the sheepfold, trying to draw the, the sheep away. You're working for the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm urging you, Brandon Robertson, to repent of your sin and put your trust in Christ. Step down from whatever pulpit it is you have, have, have taken. Repent and, and deny yourself. I'm begging you. Turn from your sin. Quit leading people into hell. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. Except for this. Always preach the, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until the next video in about five minutes... Soli Deo Gloria.